Welcome to the Pharmacotherapy Podcast. My name is Lindsay Devon. I am Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. I also serve as Editor-in-Chief of Pharmacotherapy, an official journal of the American College of Clinical Pharmacy. Today, we are talking with Dr. Aaron Kelty. Dr. Kelty is a research fellow at the University of Western Australia School of Population and Global Health. Dr. Kelty and her colleagues contributed research to pharmacotherapy titled Contribution of Pharmaceutical Drugs of Dependence to the Incidence of Neonatal Abstinence Syndrome in Western Australia between 2003 and 2018. Dr. Kelty, good morning to you in Western Australia. We appreciate very much this opportunity to talk with you about your recent research report in pharmacotherapy. Good morning, Lindsay, and thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. Yes, let, let's go ahead and, and, and begin some discussion. The focus of your research was the neonatal abstinence syndrome, which I might as well just abbreviate as, as NAS. Before we discuss your findings, would you briefly describe this syndrome and how serious a problem it can become for the affected newborn child? Yeah, for sure. So many drugs have the potential to cause dependence, and this includes both illicit drugs such as heroin and cocaine, and then medical drugs as well, such as oxycodone and alprazolam. And one of the most common signs of dependence is having withdrawal syndrome, if you uh, withdrawal symptoms if you discontinue the drug use. Um, and these withdrawal symptoms are actually generally opposite to the effects of the drug. So when you take um, these kind of medications in pregnancy, drugs are typically transferred to the fetus and can result in the um, drug dependence being mirrored in the fetus. So that when the baby is born and the drugs are no longer present in their system, they can go through um, withdrawal um, symptoms, which is known as neonatal abstinence syndrome. Symptoms of neonatal abstinence syndrome um, include things like high-pitched crying, muscle tremors, vomiting, diarrhea, sweating, poor feeding and increased muscle tone. Um, And while it's typically managed well in hospital and resolves in a couple of weeks, um, it's typically really confronting for new mums and and uses a lot of hospital resources. Thank you for that that description. As I'm sure you're aware, there's a, a public health concern on what has been referred to as an opioid epidemic. And in the United States, some pharmaceutical manufacturers have been blamed for unnecessary overdose deaths uh, due to the abundant availability of prescribed opioids. What we hear much less about is the neonatal abstinence syndrome. So, I mean, you've described for us what NAS is, but could you comment on how extensive a problem uh, NAS is well in Western Australia and, and internationally? Yeah, for sure. So in with the US opioid epidemic, we also saw trends in neonatal abstinence syndrome, which kind of mirrored what was happening with the prescribing of oxycodone and other opioids. So at the height of that epidemic, we saw um, neonatal abstinence syndrome affecting about 1% of all neonates being born in the US. And while they kind of assumed that this was associated with prescribing of oxycodone, it was largely speculative and they didn't really have any concrete um, data to support this. 
but the situation in America was was really unique and there's been a lot of lot done in other countries to kind of avoid this situation but people are quite worried that that similar things will happen in in other countries so typically we see rates or incidents of neonatal abstinence syndrome about 0.2 to 0.5% of of births um in countries such as the UK, Canada and Australia um so about about a third of what is seen in in the US you and your colleagues have studied the incidence of neonatal abstinence syndrome uh using a database that had a relatively uh, long period of data collection about 15 or 16 years and you estimated the role of opioids well and along with other prescription drugs of dependence in the incidence of NAS I I'm sure some of our listeners would like to know how such a database uh came to exist and how large was the population that you were able to study Yeah so we're really lucky in Western Australia and in many other states of Australia to have a linked health data system um whereby health records that are routinely collected um for example hospital births deaths ambulance transfers um congenital abnormality um diagnoses can all be kind of collated and are linked by a probabilis- probabilistic matching um so that if you have a cohort that you would like to study you can use this linked data system to um to kind of follow them up over a long time um so for this paper which is um uh, part of a larger study we were able to look at all babies born in western australia between 2003 and 2018 which captured um about 400,000 births um so by identifying the babies we were then able to have a look at their mothers and their mothers use of pharmaceutical drugs of dependence which are um drugs that have the potential to be either abused or um patients become dependent on so they kind of have a little bit more um um regulation about their use so we were able to look at which um mothers were dispensed um any of these schedule 8 or pharmaceutical drugs of dependence during pregnancy um and then we were able to look at um the health of the children at birth and then going forward using um hospital records and um death records and whether or not they had a congenital abnormality and a whole bunch of things and we were also able to look at the health of the the mothers um seeing if they um um had been to the hospital or they had had um previous pregnancies with complications or um they had um been dispensed other medications um and a, ho- a whole bunch of different outcomes um and for this study in particular we used the hospital data to identify whether or not babies had been diagnosed with neonatal abstinence syndrome following birth well thank you for that description you obviously have a very rich database from which to base your your research So in that regard would you summarize some of the principal findings uh, of your research report? Yeah, for sure. So we found that the incidence of neonatal abstinence syndrome um was relatively constant over the study period at about 0.4% of all live births in Western Australia. Um and of these babies diagnosed with neonatal abstinence syndrome, we found that around 40% had been exposed to a pharmaceutical a drug of dependence late in pregnancy of those who'd been diagnosed with NAS um around 35% had been exposed to methadone or buprenorphine which are drugs that are used to treat um opioid use disorders 
um, whereas about 5% had been um, exposed to an opioid that is commonly used to treat pain, such as um, oxycodone or fentanyl. And then we had about 1.7% who were exposed to a non-opioid pharmaceutical drug of dependence, um, which include things like um, very strong benzodiazepines um, and medications for the treatment of ADHD. That's a very interesting finding that there's a difference in incidence over time between um, opioids that are used that were used for treatment of opioid uh, use disorder and opioids that were used for the treatment of pain. Is there any any obvious reason of why such differences might occur? Um, well, not entirely sure, but during the same period, we have um, experienced a real shortage of, of illicit opioids such as heroin because um, Western Australia is quite a um, remote like location, so it's very hard to get heroin into the country and then into Western Australia. And in the same time, we've seen a real increase in the use of um, methamphetamines because um, they're quite cheap and easy to produce from, from common things that you can get commonly. So I suspect that the reduction in the use of um, medications to treat opioid use disorder probably ref reflects women having limited access to illicit opioids and then requiring medications to treat the opioid use disorder, whereas we haven't kind of seen such limits on the availability of opioids for the um, prescribing of pain. I'm wondering from, from your report, um, do your data uh, support any conclusions about the the liability of specific opioids over others for the treatment of opioid use disorder during, during pregnancy? You mentioned some specific drugs earlier, and uh, oxycodone has been especially identified as a potential uh, culprit for problems uh, in, in the U.S. And, and, and elsewhere. So I'm just wondering if the, your data differentiate any ways between, say, uh, methadone uh, compared to buprenorphine alone or uh, buprenorphine when combined with naloxone and having liability for uh, uh, NAS? Uh, yep. So in our study, we found that um, methadone was typically associated with higher rates of NAS compared with um, buprenorphine, which is pretty well supported by the literature. There was also a slightly higher incidence of neonatal abstinence syndrome associated with the use of buprenorphine um, alone compared with buprenorphine plus naloxone, which is in fitting with the data, but is kind of um, a less lesser studied area um, because the combination product is, is relatively new and not overly used in pregnancy because they want to avoid using multiple drugs um, when they can use a single one to kind of limit um, fetal exposure. Really interestingly, though, we saw much lower rates of neonatal abstinence syndrome associated with the use of um, opioids used to, to treat pain such as oxycodone instead of um, having rates sort of up at um, 60 to 70% for uh, methadone and buprenorphine. They were sort of around um, sort of 7 7%. Um, and this could be kind of associated with the, with the doses that are being used um, and, and might not be the, the same in, in other countries such as the US. That last point you made is was very interesting and you had some discussion in your, your article about it. Has it been a problem anywhere that uh, clinicians might withhold uh, opioids uh, from pregnant women uh, 
who uh, need these drugs for the treatment of pain uh, because of the fear of uh, producing uh, NAS? Yeah, definitely. It's been um, a really, really tricky subject um, because traditionally we've kind of weighed the health of the fetus above the health of the mother so that the priority is that we have a healthy baby and that often comes at the expense of the mother particularly, you know, going through severe pain, which is quite commonly associated with pregnancy. So clinicians have a really tricky job in weighing up the risks and benefits associated with with using drugs like oxycodone in pregnancy. And we tend to typically focus on on what what the outcomes are of the baby when you look at medication exposure in pregnancy rather than did it help the mum? Did she have a better quality of life? Was she a better mother because she wasn't in pain or she had a um, um, condition treated? So it's really a quite an interesting and evolving area of research. Well, it seems that there are two really important issues here. It's both the, the mother's reproductive health as well as um, the effects um, on the neonate. So p- perhaps um, one way to address this issue is knowing if there are any uh, patient characteristics that might identify women who are at particular risk for uh, a pregnancy outcome with uh, neonatal abstinence syndrome. Yeah, so obviously um, to kind of um, have neonatal abstinence syndrome, you need to have some kind of exposure to to a drug that um, can cause dependence. But other than that, we found that compared to the general population, neonates who had withdrawal syndrome were more likely to be male. Their mothers were more likely to have smoke during pregnancy. They were younger and had more um, prior pregnancies. And then they were more likely to be from an area of socioeconomic disadvantage. That seems to be an unambiguous finding in, in your research that smoking is bad. Um, whether you're um, treated with an opioid for either <laughs> opioid use disorder or, or for pain. I, I want to, th- to thank you and your colleagues. Um, we failed to mention their names, Craig Cumming and uh, David Preen, for your contribution of a, a most important article that deals with women's health and neonatology. And for our listeners, it can be found in the recent issue of Pharmacotherapy that's available on the journal's website. Thank you again, Dr. Kelty, for joining us from Australia today. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's been, been amazing.